interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good morning. Today is February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, and my name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad. Grace's murder has lit a fire in me uh, that if some of you have been following, you know that. And one of the reasons that she died was to show me how programmed I was. And I'm learning day by day how to deprogram myself. My guest today is Zach Payne. So Don, will you bring Zach in? How are you doing, Zach? I'm good, Scott. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. So what I did today, different than normal, those of you who have been watching, know I wear a purple tie in honor of grace. But you see what I wore today, Zach? Because I noticed you always have some type of crazy shirt on. So I, I pulled <laughs> yes, one, I of the, one of the ties out of my stash to, I love to, match, my, to match my guest today. <laughs> Very cool. So, Zach is way ahead of me in terms of his programming. You know, not everybody's ahead of me in terms of knowledge. Uh, so that's the beauty of being the host. I don't have to be the, the smartest one. Uh, since 2018, Zach has been the host of the Red Pill News, named appropriately in Red Pill 78. Uh, that's his program. Uh, exposing corruption, revealing truth, and helping his audience to stay positive in the wake of overwhelming adversity. Red Pill News airs in various forms six days a week and features breaking news, deep dive topics, one of which we'll cover today, and engaging interviews with courageous and important voices in the larger conservative movement. Zach is also the co-host of Badlands Media three days a week. So what I normally do is I talk about some something about grace to introduce the, the show. Um, today I'm going to do this just a little bit differently because how I met Zach was he interviewed me back in June. And I want to play a brief clip from that interview to get you into uh, the mindset of grace, which I always do because she's the reason for the program. So Don, can you play the first clip, please? Scott, you lost your daughter last year to the medical industrial complex during the height, so to speak, of, of the, the COVID pandemic. Tell us first uh, a little bit uh, about your daughter, Grace. Well, Grace was, uh, she was amazing. Um, she was 19 years old when she died. She had Down syndrome. She was extremely high functioning for somebody with Down syndrome and so much so that she could read and write. My wife uh, homeschooled her, and uh, so Grace's high functioning is has a lot to do with with that fact. Um, she played violin at my daughter Jessica's wedding. Um, I taught her how to drive a car. Yeah, yeah. She uh, the two two things that maybe are well, not maybe one's way more important than all that, which is she had a love for for the Lord that's hard to grasp. I mean, she she called me earthly dad. So she had a good perspective, a great perspective on what what uh, all that meant, which was it was pretty neat. We had an angel living with us. And uh, I would say one other thing that is minor, but it was great for me personally, is that she kept me young. Uh, she she had a sense of humor. So if she would have met you, Zach, for the first time, she would have said, uh, 
she just had a way about her to keep, you know, she made you comfortable first, but then a sense of humor. So she'd say, um, how are you doing, handsome Jack, handsome Zach? And uh, you would be like, whoa, you know, <laughs> she just would make you feel comfortable. Then she might say something like, uh, would you like to hear my dirty jokes? And, <laughs> and so then you would say, well, of course. And she would then get you with a one-two punch. She would say, well, why didn't the toilet paper cross the road? And you'd say, I don't know, why didn't you cross the road? And she'd say, because well, it got stuck in the crack. <laughs> then she would say, um, "You have you heard heard about the book under the bleachers and you'd say no i haven't heard about that book and then she'd say would you like to know who it was written by and you'd say well of course and she'd say it was written by seymour butts (laughs) anyway that's it just gives you a perspective of, of grace she was she was a gift Well, that brings us back to June, and so I've had oh, probably 250 interviews since then, Zach, and now we're here today, and it's really an honor to have you here. I want you to get started. So our topic today is how to navigate in a censored world, and Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, Zach, I want you to just talk about your personal history with censorship to get us rolling into what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Yeah, sure. So like you said, I I started doing this in in 2018. And the reason that I started doing it is because I saw uh, this kind of gaping hole in the media landscape. Uh, There was all kinds of coverage coming from all sorts of mainstream media platforms. Uh, The... I guess the, 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 the talent pool out there in the alternative media wasn't nearly as large as it is right now. But... I just I I saw what the press was doing to President Trump and I knew that they were lying about so many different things and they were obfuscating and they were hiding positive things that he was doing. And so really, I I started the show because I wanted to kind of punch through that that mainstream propaganda narrative and shine a light on things that I thought were really important. Like, as an example, this is perfect. You know, I I red-pilled my mom. I got her to become a supporter of President Trump because I informed her about his efforts to battle child trafficking. Now, child trafficking is not a a, a new phenomenon here in America. You know, if anything, it's been increasing over the years. And the reason is because no other administrations did anything of any substance to really save those kids. And, uh, you know, I I thought it was a, a perfect example. You know, how can you rationalize the the statements coming from the mainstream media that President Trump is a, a racist or he is a, a misogynist or a terrible person when he's the only one out there saving kids. You know, that that really gives you something to think about. And so I wanted to uh, be this beacon in the night uh, and uh, and talk about things that I knew were happening and that I knew were not getting covered. So uh, within a short period of time, I, I gained a, a ton of subscribers on YouTube, over a hundred thousand, and it was, you know, rising by tens of thousands every day. And then at, wow. uh, at a very certain point, like it was like, they just turned the switch off and like the subscriber growth stopped and they stopped recommending my videos. But by that time, you know, I had, uh, 150,000 or more subscribers. And so those people could share my videos around. But it was very clear that they had recognized that they didn't want to amplify what I was trying to put out there. And uh, from that point. Before that, did you have any idea that there was, that you would be censored to even be watching out for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a. 
Uh, you know, I mean, the, they, the, the CIA created the term conspiracy theorist uh, so that uh, people who were looking into the assassination of John F. Kennedy would be looked at with derision as, as some type of kooks, you know, people who were right. outside of the main. And so I kind of consider, but I, I, I still embrace that, that, that concept, you know, the idea of, of being a conspiracy theorist, because there are conspiracies. And if you're theorizing about who committed them or what their motivations might have been, you know, I think that it's only going to get you closer to the truth. You, you got to brainstorm these things and you got to think about it, because if you right. just accept what the press is telling you or what the powers that be, the government, the administration, uh, you know, you're not going to get the full picture. Right. So kind of being a lifelong conspiracy theorist, I knew that what I was talking about uh, was dangerous in certain circles. You know, I mean, when you're playing with money and power, uh, there isn't much that that people won't be willing to do. And I think they've crushed far bigger men than me uh, before that time. So, yeah, I fully expected to be censored at some point. Uh, and uh, I, I even had somebody reach out to me who worked at Twitter in early 2019 to let me know that there was a, like a master list of dangerous accounts and I was on it and that uh, and it was shared amongst these social media companies and that I should be prepared to lose all of my accounts at a certain point. And at, 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 I don't really know who the first article was. I think maybe GQ wrote the first article about me in late December of 2018. And they included me, you know, with this kind of overarching narrative of disinformation that people could find on YouTube. You know, the, the big talking points at that time was, um, uh, you know, online radicalization, you know, turning people into white supremacists or, or conspiracy theorists because of uh, watching truther videos on YouTube. And so that started. And, you know, I mean, within short order, I, you know, I was written about in The New York Times and The Washington Post and Media Matters really um, got a, a fixation on me. And they were probably the most successful in getting me deplatformed. They got me deplatformed from YouTube, from Twitter, uh, from Cash App, from PayPal, uh, from Patreon. Uh, from basically any main source that you could, you know, go out and, and find useful information. So that forced me uh, off of those mainstream platforms onto alternative platforms. Luckily, I knew people at Gab, so I, I was able to get my account going at Gab. Um, you know, when Parler came along, I joined Parler. That ended up being a dumpster fire, but I still have Getter, obviously Truth Social, um, and, uh, and I mostly put videos out on, on Rumble, the Foxhole, uh, BitChute, and then Odyssey, and a couple of other smaller ones. But um, I even have my Twitter back now. After two years, yeah. uh, I, I was deleted from YouTube October 15th, 2020, just before the election. I lost my Twitter account, I believe, eight days later. Uh, yeah, October, or, yeah, October 23rd. And then uh, roughly like a month and a half ago, uh, thank you, Elon Musk, <laughs> I was able to get my Twitter account back. And uh, and yeah, and so I'm still out there on the battlefield. And, you know, the the the, the war itself has kind of changed. I think that um, as a result of all of those attempts to try to silence me and so many other people, because I'm in, you know, no fashion am I unique in this respect. Many people have been censored. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that a lot of people are, are looking for stuff like that. It kind of muddies the landscape, too, because there are people who get censored 
who just put out bad information and then people think, oh, you know, maybe, maybe that's somebody I should follow. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people, you know, who they shouldn't listen to or, you know, uh, it, or, or try to call out people for putting out bad information. I might call out bad information, but I'm not going to attack individuals because anybody can make a mistake. You know, I, I will reserve them that right to uh, uh, to kind of come to the truth on their own. But, you know, I've always uh, attempted uh, to to just be a, a clear and cogent source of information. Of course, my opinion is injected into here. I'm always very clear about what that is, though. Uh, always very clear about facts in cases. Um, certainly, you know, there are things that are still up for debate. You know, a lot of the stuff around COVID-19 that's uh, still up for debate, the vaccine, effects of the vaccine. You know, we have a lot of anecdotal reports, but very little scientific evidence that you can point to uh, that somebody on the left is going to be willing to listen to. Like, for, as an example, last night I was reading a study about how the Pfizer shot uh, will rewrite your mitochondria in your cells. Like it literally goes in and uh, changes their, uh, their, their mitochondrial DNA to start producing other things like the spike proteins. And, uh, you know, one of the initial fears of these vaccines is that they would uh, rewrite your DNA, like, you know, at, at the base level. It, they, the, the vaccines are missing like a transcription RNA or something. I don't know. I, I don't know the exact terminology for it, but it doesn't have the power to straight up rewrite your DNA. But it can turn your cells into factories to produce other things. So it's not your original form anymore. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, you, you talk about things like that and people will, uh, will, will point to the lack of scientific information, but it's not for lack of trying. It's because the information is being suppressed. Uh, the, the medical industrial complex, as you well know, uh, is very, very strong. You know, I mean, there is just billions of dollars at play there and people will do a lot of terrible things to ensure that that money keeps rolling in. And I, I think yeah. by and large, they don't care about our lives. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an understatement. Mm -hmm. Interesting, you know, people are gonna think you and I talked ahead of time because of your reference to the JFK murder, your mm -hmm. reference to Elon Musk and the reference to the vaccine. Cause I'm gonna just talk about the JFK murder here briefly as okay. a segue into our first topic, but then we'll talk about the vaccine and Elon Musk at the end. So it's your your whole yeah. opening monologue fits <laughs> like a glove. Perfect. Um, so you know the first step I see with this whole this whole thing, and we're going to use the Palestine Ohio uh, train derailment to to show this. But the first thing you have to do if you're going to deprogram yourself relative to news stories, the media, whatever, is to change your perspective. And the perspective I'm talking about is the government will censor, which Zach, you just had great gave a great example, but they will they will censor, lie, whatever it takes, and they can legally do it. So mm -hmm. back in 1948, the Smith Month Act Month Act said that they could not lie and use psychological operations aimed at influencing the U.S. public opinion. Yet mm -hmm. the first time that is well documented is the JFK murder. And I wrote a paper on this saying that the JFK murder was the third largest PSYOP in U.S. history. Uh, the second being the fact that the government can legally kill, kill us. And then mm -hmm. the first, of course, is that we live in the land of the free, home of the brave. Yep. And, you know, so right now, the Smith Munt Act, which made these psychological operations illegal, that was repealed. It was called modernized on July 2nd of 2013. So then mm -hmm. what that moderate moderate is 
modernization did was said that well, Congress gave the government the authority to lie versus the truth, tell the truth in the spirit of national defense. So, I mean, we've got to first come to grips with they lie and they do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Then the second step, which then we're going to jump into the Palestine, Ohio situation is how do you discern? And, you know, children do this automatically. You know, the, they start asking why, 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 why so many times in a row. But, you know, as as adults, we learned who, what, where, why, how. Those are the basics. When I was in school, I mean, that's been trained out of the public full system, but we were learned, we learned to ask where, why, and how questions. And you've got to do that if you're going to discern the news properly. So here we go with this uh, Palestine, Ohio situation. I think we'll play this clip first, Zach, and then I want your comment. I know you did, did a special on it two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're way you're way ahead of the ball game on this interestingly last night i received a phone call from a friend of mine saying scott did you hear about this train derailment i said yeah i have in fact my guest tomorrow is going to be talking about it you know and he didn't he was not aware that this happened on february 3rd you know it's already it's already 12 days ago um Mm -hmm. yet it it's first came out into the mainstream media a couple of days ago. And, you know, I, I, uh, I'm shocked at that just to start with. So Don, just play the, the clip and then we'll have Zach comment. Massive train derailed Friday, 20 of them carrying hazardous materials as flames lit up the sky in Northeastern Ohio. The evacuation order is in place for anyone within a mile radius of the crash site. These aren't, these aren't storm clouds. This is the f-ing shit, the f-ing they burn off in East Palestine. This is not f-ing storm clouds. Look at it. Officials are claiming that the air and water are safe. The residents say they can still smell chlorine. They've complained about their eyes watering when they go outside, and one woman says the noxious air killed her chickens. Out of nowhere, he just started coughing really hard and just shut down and went very fast. Look at all these crows. I'm not kidding. This is within 10 miles of East Palestine. So before we jump into your perspective of this whole situation, I just want to start with the first question that we have to ask always now because of what we have learned with COVID is, did the event even happen? So, I mean, that Mm -hmm. one we know happened, but it's still a question. I I just want to make sure people realize you have to ask that. So, for example, when you see a picture of Fauci that he got the jab, do you Mm -hmm. think that honestly happened? Yeah, I don't believe that that happened. When now, you know, the United States got criticized for, you know, not shooting down a balloon, you know, when it's flying over our airspace. And all of a sudden we've got, you know, a half a dozen things shot down after that got exposed. I mean, Mm. you know, you first have to just always ask because of, of, 
their responsibility to lie to us. Did the event okay. actually happen? So we're beyond that with this event. And I'd like you to frame the event, Zach, and just, just ramble for as long as you want on it. And then when you, you can call on the, the next clip, Zach, is the predictive programming clip. I found ah, yes, a okay. one that I want to have Don play. So just call on it when you're ready. Will do, will do. So, so yeah, uh, you mentioned the Chinese spy balloon, uh, and I, I think it's no coincidence that that appeared and captured the national attention at the exact same time that this incident in East Palestine, Ohio, should have been capturing the national attention. You know, we moved to Florida back in November of 2021. East Palestine is about 45 minutes away from where we lived in Ohio. And uh, Lisa's kids, her family, uh, a week after, they did not even know that this rail disaster had happened. That's how tightly a lid they've kept on this story. Uh, local news stations in the area of East Palestine were reporting on it because it was you know, undeniable. People were affected. They were evacuated. Uh, and, uh, of course, you could see the smoke plumes uh, for, for miles away. Um, but they did not want it talked about in the mainstream media. And I, I have to believe that's because it's an ecological disaster of uh, unlimited proportions. You know, we are talking about tens of thousands of gallons of highly dangerous toxic chemicals that leached into the ground, uh, that emptied into the waterways. And then they made just the just boneheaded decision to burn this off instead of trying to contain it in some other way. Now, what's really staggeringly stupid to me is that not all of these rail cars had exploded. Not all of them were seeping out into the ground. But when they set them on fire, it started a chain reaction, and many of them did end up exploding. Now, <clears throat> the, the other thing about it is they lied to the people of East Palestine and to the people of America uh, about what was actually contained in those uh, highly dangerous containers. Uh, they really did not want people to know what exactly was getting into the water, what was getting into the soil, what was going out into the air. But hydrogen chloride is a byproduct of that burning process. It, initially, uh, they had announced that vinyl chloride, which is uh, a colorless gas, but it's highly volatile uh, and it's a carcinogen. Uh, that was one of the chemicals that were leaching out. And so their rationale was we're going to burn it so then it'll just disappear. It won't get into the groundwater that way. So then that creates the hydrogen chloride and that starts dispersing all over the place. Uh, that's one of the things that is creating this uh, acid rain like effect. Uh, there are pictures that are coming out of East Palestine and in the surrounding areas of people's cars just covered in this noxious uh, ash. <clears throat> and then, of course, I've had uh, uh, also reports from viewers as far north as Detroit, who in the days after this incident, initially, uh, they were smelling bleach out in the air. Uh, excuse me, not bleach. They were smelling chlorine out in the air. And that's what hydrogen chloride smells like. It's also noxious in your lungs. It will cause upper respiratory issues. It'll cause uh, swelling and redness. Uh, and, uh, and these people were affected by it. They weren't even going outside. It was coming into their homes. Uh, so this hydrogen chloride from the burn is what initially prompted uh, the mass evacuation. So they ordered everybody within one mile of the crash site to leave. 
Um, now, interestingly enough, another one of the substances that got released as a result of this burn uh, is something called phosgene. You might have heard of phosgene because it was a chemical weapon that was used in, uh, in World War I. Uh, so it's really, really nasty stuff. Uh, and uh, there was also other things that have now been announced uh, to have been inside that rail car, uh, including something called ethylene glycol monobutyl ether. What is ethylene glycol monobutyl ether? Well, uh, that's used in like household products, uh, like spot removers and cosmetics and stuff. And interestingly enough, it's mildly pleasant, apparently, when you smell it. Uh, I can't vouch for that one because I haven't uh, smelled it specifically myself. But uh, ethyl acrylate is another one that was released. And that one is also hazardous to human health. Uh, isobutylene, which is another one that is uh, is pretty noxious. It's a colorless but flammable gas. It's used in industrial processing. And then also uh, ethylene acrylate, uh, which is uh, another pretty noxious chemical. And a, a number of these are carcinogenic. They are known to cause cancer in humans. They're known to cause cancer in animals. And so <clears throat> I, I personally believe that the story with the Chinese spy balloon, the story with all of these other apparent UFOs that the Pentagon is uh, talking about and shooting down out of the sky, uh, this was all uh, a, a wag the dog situation. Uh, this, this essentially, this Chernobyl level disaster happening in, in, in East Palestine is not relegated to stay in East Palestine. Those wind currents are carrying all of that noxious stuff the, the raw gases, uh, the byproducts of the uh, the burning, uh, the acid rain, the uh, nasty soot, that's all getting carried and dispersed all around the place. I've had reports from people uh, close to Pittsburgh uh, that are having the same type of chlorine spells, uh, the same types of, uh, 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 what is it, uh, flam inflammation, inflammation of, of the nose, the throat eyes, young boy, his eyes turned beet red, started crying. He couldn't stop it. Um, it's, it's spreading all over the place. And the Ohio River watershed basin, I mean, that goes all throughout the uh, southern United States. It goes into Kentucky and, and uh, Tennessee. And, and even beyond that, it will go up into the Great Lakes. Uh, it goes all the way to the East Coast. So you've got that noxious cloud that's going towards the East Coast. Who knows where it's going to get taken? Uh, you've got just all kinds of pollution and uh, an, an environmental disaster that I think the likes of, of which we've never seen. And the, the true toll is not going to be known for decades because that's how long it's right. going to take people to develop liver cancer and all of these other things. And, uh, and, and in the immediate aftermath, we have thousands of dead fish. Uh, dead amphibians, frogs, hellbenders, which are an endangered species. Those live in the, the rivers and streams of that watershed. Uh, and then you've got household pets, pets that don't even go outside have been reported to have died. Uh, cats dying of congestive heart failure out of nowhere. Uh, there was a guy who is a fox breeder. Uh, his foxes all got sick. One of them dropped dead and started projectile vomiting and having diarrhea. Uh, birds fleeing the area. We saw that in the clip. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea how many birds died, but uh, I, I do know that all of them tried to get out of there because they could smell that this thing was coming. Uh, no idea on the other types of wildlife, um, squirrels, maybe deer. Uh, there's all kinds of things that live there. And, uh, and all of it that's outside is going to get trapped in that stuff. 
And then, of course, the uh, the chemical fallout that's going to be uh, dispersed on all of the uh, uh, the earth and the ground and all of the detritus on the ground. Uh, you know, there's just no way of knowing exactly how bad this is going to be. And again, I think this is why they tried to cover it up, because if they could keep it a secret long enough so that people didn't realize that they were getting contaminated with chemicals and carcinogenic substances, then maybe they could get people moving on to something else like a fake alien invasion or UFOs and uh, Chinese spy balloons. Uh, you know, I think that it's, it, you know, it seems like a stretch, but I mean, it, out of all of the things that they have manufactured in the past, I think the one thing that many of us have been waiting for is that fake alien invasion, because uh, it has been rumored to have been a reality for a long time. There's something called Project Blue Beam. I did a show on this on Monday night. Uh, that uh, would would use a fake alien invasion to essentially destroy people's faith uh, and uh, and mobilize them under a one world government, make them easier to control. Uh, Bill Cooper, uh, he is a, a titan in the truth and freedom movement. Uh, he spoke about being told himself that there was going to be a fake alien invasion. A woman named Carol Rosin, who worked with uh, Werner von Braun at uh, at NASA. Werner von Braun told her there was going to be a fake alien invasion. So the, the writing's on the wall, and I think it's only a matter of time before we get there. Uh, and certainly the Pentagon and the U.S. government have been priming us for the possibility of that, what with their uh, official UFO programs and very intentionally using the terminology that we've seen recently. You know, is it an innocuous weather balloon? Is it a consumer drone? Well, you know, maybe, but they're calling it a UFO and they're calling it a UFO so that people invoke that that concept of little green men uh, so that when they do produce some sort of grand uh, fake event with holograms of, uh, of aliens going and shaking Joe Biden's hand on, on the lawn of the White House, uh, people will probably believe it. And let's be honest, I mean, technology, it's leaps and bounds upon what we even are aware of, you know? The, the, the commercial tech, Scott, that they allow us to know about probably 30 to 50 years behind whatever it is they have in their own private use uh, that the government is using. Uh, I would say, you know, they probably have all kinds of exotic uh, propulsion systems, uh, the ability to uh, to fly in air without the effects of gravity or without the effects of inertia. Uh, you know, they, they might even be able to teleport people, but certainly I think at a pretty base level, they have the ability to um, produce uh, visually convincing holograms that you really wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, heck, I mean, look, look at deep fakes. <laughs> look what they're able to do with voices and with uh, with pictures. I mean, you, some of those deep fakes, you cannot tell them apart from the original source. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's it's probably the the greatest tragedy that that we don't have uh, fully recognized here in America. Luckily, more and more people are talking about it. Um, you know, there, there really was a media blackout until just a couple of days ago, and then suddenly everybody started talking about it. It was like it broke into the popular consciousness, and people became aware of it. And at that point, I think a lot of people were like, "Why in the heck is the government?" not talking about this? Why is the EPA saying it's safe to go outside and drink the water? You know, at least the uh, Ohioan authorities came out and did a press conference yesterday. They admitted that animals were dying, that the watershed had been polluted, that potentially endangered species might be wiped out. They said, don't drink the water. Uh, but, uh, you know, how, how long is that sustainable? 
I think there's another layer here, Scott. Um, you know, they've been trying to push Ohio into a solid blue state for a long time. Uh, I would say that that portion of Ohio is certainly red, uh, whether or not they're 100 uh, percent, you know, Trump supporters or not. They're definitely Republicans. Uh, so what happens if they make that portion of Ohio uninhabitable and those people have to flee to another state or maybe they just die as a result of the exposure to this stuff? Will it be possible for them to make Ohio into a blue state? Um, you know, it, it's it's worth a thought for sure. I want everybody that's listening to understand when I said Zach is ahead of way ahead of me. Do you see what he's laying out here? These things are we have to get into this mindset to be able to prepare ourselves and be ready for what's coming. The idea of UFOs, fake aliens, uh, converting uh, red states to blue, all these things are all on the on the agenda and mm -hmm. if you're blind to that it's time it's time to wake up what's an interesting piece of all of this i want to talk about the cause next but an interesting yeah. piece that i see more and more and more is it seems like there is almost an obligation it used to be a lot of things were hidden but now there's almost an obligation to let us know this stuff is coming ahead of time if we're paying attention. Yes. And that's the yep. predictive programming. So we'll play this this next clip, Don, if you would. And he's going to leave up the, the news article at the same time the clip is being played. We also have the story tonight of an East Palestine man who was in a recent movie that was eerily similar to the train derailment that happened. First News reporter Abigail Cloutier spoke with him about the uncanny similarities. When Ben Ratner signed up to be an extra on White Noise, a movie that was about a train accident that caused a chemical leak, he never thought it would become his reality. Ratner is an extra in a traffic jam scene sitting in a line of cars trying to evacuate. The movie follows a family after a train hits a tanker truck, creating a chemical cloud. White Noise came out in 2022 and was shot around Ohio. Ratner is an extra in a shoot in Salem. My dad and I went and they had us basically in cars evacuating. The plot of the movie is not lost on the East Palestine community. Because there's only so much negative you can focus on. People are like, oh, how about this? Uh, it's kind of uncanny here, this movie. Ratner tells me he tried watching White Noise again soon after the derailment. Fascinating. So, uh, you think this is a coincidence, Zach? Not at all. No, I, I, I definitely believe in predictive programming. And uh, I, this is not the first time that they have produced a, a piece of entertainment uh, or, uh, you know, a, a cultural moment that mimicked something that happened very soon thereafter. You know, The Simpsons is famous for producing predictive programming. Like, as an example, they had President Trump walking down an escalator, announcing his candidacy for president in front of a bunch of people. It was it, they even had. Like there was this little boy that you could see in the real shot. And like it's almost exactly the the same shot inside The Simpsons. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, they're they're right on in a number of different ways. They, they prime us for this stuff. And, you know, I mean, if you want to get to the heart of it, uh, you know, we're talking about some really evil things that happen here. And uh, there, there is an aspect of, uh, of Satanism, if I'm not mistaken, of like being open and honest about your, right. um, uh, your desires and the things that you're going to do. And it's like, yeah, they have to tell us so that we can de facto consent to it. 
You know, we don't know exactly. necessarily every single time that we see something, but when we when we watch something like this and we see it happen, it's like, okay, yeah, okay, cool. And then uh, nobody's really thinking, hey, that's about to really happen. I mean, it is just too on the nose. You have people from East Palestine in this movie about a train derailment in Ohio with the toxic gas. I mean, it's all exactly the same story. And, you right. know, it was based on a book that was written shortly after the Bhopal incident in India back in 1984, 1985. And I think that the the author had come forward and said that's what he was thinking about. Um, but uh, but here we have this uh, this book and now this movie, and then the very same scenario happens. You know, uh, another question that I have about the derailment, Scott, uh, is what were all those chemicals and destination going to be? Were were they finished products that were meant to be delivered to commercial customers? Or were they chemical waste that were going to have to be disposed of in some fashion? Uh, because disposing of things like that, it takes a lot of money. You know, you take a look at uh, 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 other uh, things happening in, uh, in in popular life. You know, th there's a, 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 a program to fluoridate municipal water systems in a lot of different places, not everywhere. But it started back in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I believe it was in the 1950s or the early 60s. I, I'd have to go back and look at it. But the idea, of course, is that you put sodium fluoride into the water because it strengthens teeth, at least temporarily, and everybody needs to drink water, uh, and so everybody will get fluoride into their teeth. The only problem is it doesn't just stay on your teeth. You, you drink water, and if there's something in the water, like this uh, uh, vinyl chloride or whatever it might be, it's going to go into your body. Now, many of these chemicals here in the East Palestine disaster will settle into the fatty tissues of your body, and they'll just hang out there until they give you cancer and kill you. Sodium chloride, or excuse me, um, uh, sodium fluoride and a number of other fluoride atoms will also get into your body and stay there, but they will replace calcium, like in your teeth, in your bones. And uh, that will cause issues at the growth plates. That will cause issues of, of brittleness. Uh, interestingly, we have an epidemic of osteoporosis in the country right now. And we also have uh, these fluoride compounds that are being delivered into the water systems throughout most of the country. Now, I said sodium fluoride at the beginning. That's the stuff that you find in toothpaste and sometimes in uh, mouthwash. But in most of these places, it's not sodium fluoride. Uh, it is another type of fluoride atom, uh, like uh, uh, it's uh, sulfur hexafluoride, which is a byproduct of the aluminum smelting and phosphate fertilizer industry. At a certain point, the lobbying industry for these different industries went to Congress and said, hey, you need fluoride? Well, we've got something that's very similar to fluoride, at least it behaves that way in your body. Uh, but we normally have to dispose of it in barrels and then, you know, bury it underground. What would you say if we gave it to you and you mandated that it was the same as sodium fluoride and then they put it in the water? It's in such a low comp or a, a low uh, percentage in parts per million that people will drink it and it will have no effect on them overall. But yeah. here we are today with a, an epidemic of osteoporosis, which is it, it, it is physically indistinguishable, indistinguishable from skeletal fluorosis, which is the process of that fluoride atom 
changing places with the calcium ion in your bones and in your body. Also very important for cellular respiration. We have more health issues all over the place. Also, it's a carcinogen, um, uh, and that's been proven in the lab and uh, in vitro in people. So, uh, you know, the point here is that uh, they can get very creative and uh, once something goes into the water, you know, people didn't start dropping dead of cancer immediately. But over time, cancer became an epidemic in America. Osteoporosis became an epidemic here in America. Number of health issues have developed over the, the course of the 20th century and continue into the 21st century. So what's going to happen with all of this stuff? We, we really don't know. That's a fantastic digression, Zach. It fit that fit perfectly. Don, I want to just hit a couple. We're going to talk about what's the what's the reason for the cover up, Zach. You already hit on a couple. I want to hit on a couple more, uh, and then we'll close on that topic. And I want to segue to another one. All right. So, okay. Don, look at the the next clip. It isn't a clip. This is just a newspaper article. All right. So you see what's going on here is you know is has this been deferred because. Uh, they're, they obviously have an agenda to get rid of guns in America. So I thought that mm -hmm. was an interesting take. Then the next one, Don. If you look at the very bottom of, of this article, it talks about the, the time frame, um, especially is, is because they, they don't want to focus on the lack of accountability that... Mm -hmm our government takes in situations like this. And then last on this topic, and then Zach, you can comment further, is the is the Ohio Senator. So just, just pull this one up. Okay, so you see J.D. Vance on the very bottom. Just take a look at the last paragraph. We'll just uh, read this together. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so he writes... Uh, many questions remain unanswered about the quality of the braking system used, the durability of the repair parts in the trains, blah, blah, blah. My office will be investigating these concerns in the weeks to come. So I just find that type of thing, uh, they, they seem to never investigate. I mean, they never get back to you on, on their investigation. And all of this leads to the question, and this is a question I think we always have to ask now, is our government, did our government even cause this event? That seems yeah. to always have to be asked in today's environment. So your your yeah. final comment on this topic, Zach. Uh, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's always something that I'm considering. And that's why I wondered out loud, you know, what was the final destination for those chemicals? You know, I mean, is this yes. an accident or is it a manufactured crisis? Uh, you know, I I, th I think that we've got a number of different things at play. You know, you may remember a couple of months ago, Biden was publicly uh, battling with the train workers union. Um, one of those things that they were battling over was concerns of safety. Now, ironically, despite the presence of all of these chemicals on that train, it wasn't considered a, a hazardous carrier. Right. Uh, and and the way they get around that is because they buffer the hazardous stuff with non-hazardous stuff. So in one train car, they've got the uh, the the, uh, the 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 noxious gases. Okay, so they got the methyl ethyl acrylate. They've got that in one train car. And then on the other side of that, they've got a train car full of flour. And then another one after that is uh, full of rice. And then they go ahead and have the ethylene glycol monobutyl in the next one. 
And so by staggering them, they don't have to warn anybody. They don't have to say, you know, hey, guess what? This is a, a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, and, uh, and, and so as a result of the negotiations that went on, uh, certain safety procedures and maintenance procedures were allowed to be skipped over so that they could continue to run more train cars for longer times uh, and essentially just have the, the, the railroad filled up all the time. Now, it's worth stating that in the last year or two, uh, this particular rail company had massive profits. They had uh, just, you know, record-breaking profits. At the same time, they were firing people uh, and they were negating to do these particular safety inspections and, and maintenance. And, uh, and it, there is footage of the train car uh, sparking for like 20 miles. I think that's probably what JD was referring to when he mentions the braking system. You know, I, I don't know if uh, if that was on purpose, um, but I think it is a question that you have to ask, you know, and I think that one of the reasons that it could have been done on purpose would be what I alluded to before, you know, trying to push out as many Republican or conservative voters as possible uh, and uh, and open it up. And, uh, you know, then I think there's also a depopulation agenda at play. I think that they have openly stated for many, many years that they being, you know, the, the, the kind of the elites, if you will, the global elites and use that term with derision. But they have stated openly that they want to depopulate the earth. Uh, they they've they've said that mankind is basically the enemy. You know, what's the the number one thing they're fighting against is is carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is the natural product of respiration by people and animals. And, you know, they, they fail to mention that carbon dioxide is also what plants breathe in. So the more we that's breathe right. out, the more opportunity plants have to breathe in. It, you know, that's the greenhouse effect is, is that, you know, that carbon dioxide creates fuel for the plants to then grow. And of course, you got to have the sun. But what else are they doing? They're also talking about blotting out the sun. Uh, they have they have planes flying aerosolized dispersants all over the place. You know, this would have been conspiracy theory 10 years ago, but now they're very right. open about it. Ge geothermal right. engineering, you know, and, uh, and and so, you know, they're doing everything they can to make life as miserable as possible for us. You know what else happens if we don't have enough sun, Scott? We don't get enough vitamin D. People get depressed. You know, pe people are, are already depressed enough. You know, we've got the government and our healthcare industries killing us. We've got our, uh, our, our 401ks being raided. You know, we've had record numbers of people who have had to dip into their retirement accounts because the cost of everything is skyrocketing through the roof. You know, so it, it's an easy time to be very depressed, you know, and you look at some place like Canada, uh, they've, they've legalized euthanasia. You know, they're, they're killing people who have, you know, a 65% a, a chance of getting cured from cancer. You know, I mean, this is not like somebody who's on their deathbed who's just like, I've had enough. I've been fighting for years. You know, they, they're, they're doing everything they can to make us want to die and to make us feel like we ought to die. And so my best advice to people is to have as many babies as you possibly can, uh, raise them in faith and in a good community, uh, and teach them how to be the stewards of planet Earth for the next many, many generations. If we're going to beat these people, we got to get involved in politics as, 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 as disgusting as it sounds to many people. 
you know, the reason we have crappy leaders is because the good people aren't getting involved. <laughs> you know, they don't want any part of it. But if we're going to be the change that we want to see in the world, we've got to be acting on that. And so, you know, what a big thing I like to push is, you know, conservative activism. I don't care what it is. OK, but you've got to have a cause. You've got to be involved in it and you've got to be working at your local level to make the world a better place, because every single moment that you're awake and even every moment you're asleep, they are working diligently to make the world a hell on earth and to make it as horrible as possible for you to live in. They want you to be demoralized. They want you to believe that there is no hope. They want you to lose faith. Uh, and, uh, and, and I personally will never allow them to steal that from me. You know, I am strong in my relationship with God. I know exactly who I am, where I'm going and what I'm meant to be doing right here. Uh, but it hasn't always been that way. And it was a battle for me to get to that point. I had to try really, really hard. And I had to go out seeking that relationship with God. And I, I'm happy to be here right now. And I'm happy to be able to help people try to find that same path. Uh, but it's something that we've all got to be working on every single day. Boy, that's uh, that's that's well said, Zach. Uh, by the way, uh, just your pronunciation of all the chemicals on the train is worth the price of admission here. Because <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> so Thank what you. we just what we just went through. We went through the first step in this whole deprogramming, change your perspective. The second step. We use the, the East Palestine situation to show you how, how many angles there are just to discern something that's happening in the news. You can't just take what they're saying. You got to look at this from multiple angles. And then, you know, a third step is I think it's imperative that you find good news sources. And Zach was kind enough to give me the links to his news sources. Those will all be in the show notes. And I want to... Um, switch gears just a little bit, but just one other piece. We we somewhat touched on it in this, this last story, but I want to just show a very simple example so people can see the idea of a narrative, counter-narrative, controlled opposition um, playing out. So I told you we're going to talk about Elon Musk here at toward mm -hmm. the end. Um, and so I see this Twitter situation as that. So Don, can you play the the clip and then she this lady in the clip does a real nice job in about 45 seconds laying this out and then you can comment Zach you know both of you are just not thinking about this you have the liberal people who are literally just going insane that he that he bought it and then you have the conservative people being like yippee yay he's going to say free speech and all this sort of stuff and I'm like hold on both of you because both of you are, are just not actually seeing what's going on here okay let me tell you what i say okay so first of all in order to understand what i'm saying we have to understand who elon musk is okay he's essentially a transhumanist okay someone who believes in transhumanism someone who wants to merge man and machine together because they think that that is their ultimate god essentially so what what uh, the point I want to bring up before you comment is that Satan's minions are exceedingly good at getting us involved in dialectics and dialectics mm -hmm. always involve evil and less evil, but they don't mm -hmm. involve God is outside of the dialectic. He's always outside mm -hmm. of the dialectic, but we get spinning into this dialectic and we forget that we've got to look outside of it. And she points out that let's look at the person behind it. 
before yeah. we start, you know, otherwise we're going to get swamped into this, you know, boy, he, he, I got my Twitter account back. Like you said, you got your Twitter. Account. Well, that's good. Well, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think that's fantastic that you got your Twitter account back because you're telling truth, but mm -hmm. where does that fit into the bigger picture? So a quick comment from you, Zach. I think this is a great point to make. You know, people love to simplify things and they want it to be black and white, good and bad. You know, they want to be able to put things into nice, neat little boxes. And I think that when we do that, we miss the forest for the trees. There is so much nuance in the world. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate that I got my Twitter account back as a result of Elon Musk buying it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I am an Elon Musk acolyte. Uh, and uh, the same is true for any popular person that you might see out there on the global stage. You know, just because they do one good thing or one bad thing to me does not pigeonhole them into one category in, or another. I, I think that it is possible for uh, supremely evil people to make a move or a decision that could potentially benefit someone like me or benefit somebody else out there that's working on the side uh, of good and light. Um, but we have to take everything into account. Um, you know, with regard to Elon Musk and, and transhumanism, I think transhumanism is extremely dangerous. And, and I think there's a good chance that the trans agenda that we see playing out on the world stage right now is kind of the precursor to transhumanism. You know, right now it's like transgenderism. Okay. But at a certain point, you know, they, they're trying to eliminate gender. So what comes next? Well, transhumanism. Uh, at that point, you know, it will be the perfect melding of man and machine because these people who are transhumanists believe that they are truly gods among men, that they are their own god, and that they want that dominion over life and death itself. Uh, and they already have been working on this for a very long time. You know, there's all kinds of things that they do. But the, the, the ultimate result will be that melding of man and machine. And Elon Musk's Neuralink chip, uh, I think, is probably the best example of that. I would never consider getting a brain implant because once they have the power to access your brain at the base level, you have no idea what else they could do once they're inside of there. They could influence you. They could probably make you do something else. I, let's be honest. I think that this technology probably already exists in one form or another. I think that if they're announcing it on the consumer level, they've already had it for many years. We probably have super soldiers, if you will, behind the scenes, you know, or even people in, you know, what I would consider the, the deep state, uh, you know, new world order crowd. You know, they may have already implemented this technology and they're using it themselves. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing about Elon Musk is that, uh, you know, he has said openly that this is a bad idea. But then he's talking out of the other side of the mouth of his mouth when he's out when he's out there developing this technology. You know, it's like right, he's he, right. he's he's essentially he's essentially said this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do it. But then he's like, but if somebody is going to do it, it might as well be me. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. <clears throat> now, there is a possibility that, uh, you know, he's just trying to take advantage of a situation that he knows will arise kind of in the way that he did with electric vehicles. Um, but there's also a distinct possibility that he, he could develop this technology and it can be used for really nefarious purposes. You know, at the end of the day, for me, the only thing that I'm fully confident of 
is that I will not be allowing my body to be altered by any form of uh, computer or machine or anything like that. And I would highly suggest that everybody try to live as naturally as possible. And that, and that up to and including eating natural food, you know, trying to grow as much of your own food as possible. Um, but make sure that you slow your roll on subjects such as this. You know, don't just hear a soundbite and determine in a flash that that person is good or that person is bad. You know, you want to get as much information as you possibly can because you want to make an informed opinion. You don't want to make a rash decision. And unfortunately, they have trained people to act as rashly as possible, to, to act without thinking and without evaluating anything. They want people outraged. They want them making bad decisions. Uh, and they want them trusting the wrong people. So just remember that there's only one God. Stop deifying celebrities uh, or people like Elon Musk or even politicians. Okay. I love Donald Trump, but, you know, Donald Trump is just a man. And uh, I think he's got a very specific mission to fulfill here on earth. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's me and God at this point, you know, and the people that I love and uh, the people that I choose to surround myself with. Uh, celebrities will come and go and beauty fades, but faith is everlasting. Well, that, that's right on. We'll see what Trump's mission is, I'm assuming, coming up shortly. Uh, yeah. I do want to just cover one last topic very quickly, and then we'll we'll get into the close. Um, okay. So what's being floated, I want people to be aware of this because the amnesty program relative to the current bioweapon, I'm not going to call it a vaccine because it's not, mm -hmm. was yep. floated several months ago. So now what's the counter, you know, so this dialectic is happening. So amnesty on one hand, and then the other end is, well, we got to come up with a safe vaccine. So you can hear this already playing out, right? So now yeah. they've got us into the dialectic again. Uh you know, so in the PSYOP paper, I showed all the evidence to show that this was never a vaccine. Uh, Pfizer had a contract with the Department of Defense, you know, it was a bioweapon right from the beginning. So, you know, so what people still, I mean, people are still, there's a million doses being delivered a day yet in the world. So, I mean, people have not, they haven't connected the dots yet. It's not out there yet. So you can see how this is going to play out. I mean, the next version of the vaccine is going to be safe because mm -hmm. we've screwed up. We're sorry. Um, those of you who are impacted, boy, I mean, we just, we didn't know what was going on. We wanted to protect the public. You can hear it all come out. So anyway, I just like your, your wisdom relative to that thought process. Uh, I, personally, I am not a, a vaccine advocate. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard of certain vaccines that are supposedly safer than other. You know, I stepped on a rusty nail one time and had to get a tetanus vaccine. Uh, but you know, I haven't lived my life taking vaccines, and my daughter was unvaccinated. Um, I, I think that generally speaking, the science is still out on the possibility of a safe vaccine, and, and I know that. I'm not comfortable with a lot of the ingredients that are put in them. Uh, so I think that anytime the government pushes something on you and says, you know, do this or else, it's a surefire signal that it's not something you should capitulate on. And I know that a lot of people were uh, felt that their back was up against a wall, that they had no choice, that they had to, to take this or else. 
But, you know, guys, there is there's strength in numbers, you know, and uh, I think that if more people would have stood united and refused uh, to have medical decisions forced on them, uh, that it, it would have been something that we could have overcome. Uh, instead, you know, in the same way that we're going to find out in a couple of decades what's going on in East Palestine and the surrounding areas, you know, we'll be watching the the aftermath uh, of these of these jabs. And, um, you know, I, uh, I I would steer clear of any of them. Uh, and I, as far as amnesty is concerned, oh, I, I'm not in favor of amnesty. I think these people need to pay for what they've done. And uh, I want all of it to be exposed. And, you know, only then I think will people truly understand uh, how badly and how, how just far they've been misled. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that it can be a learning experience for the future, that they can recognize that the, the government and these corporations, I mean, they don't have any morals at the end of the day. You know, morals and ethics are for people. You know, we're talking about business decisions, dollars and cents. And that's what it is. They have, you know, cost benefit analyses. You know, how much money can we make? You know, how many people will die? Uh, what's the possible payout at the end of the day? Uh, and, you know, if that number's in the green at the end of the day, then they're going to go ahead and go through with it. Uh, so I, I think we have a, a, a lot of work to do in terms of corporate law uh, responsibility. And certainly when it comes to medical ethics, we're almost bankrupt at this point. Uh, so there's a lot to be done. But I think that for us, the way to, uh, to, to solve it right now is to create our own uh, breakaway economies, if you will. You know, there are uh, there are doctors and uh, and healthcare practitioners who are creating liberty minded uh, healthcare collectives, if you will, someplace where you can go to get healthcare on your own terms, uh, not feel pressured to take a, a medical procedure that you don't trust or you don't know enough about or you don't believe is going to be healthy for you. Uh, and uh, and where the the doctors are truly going to uphold the Hippocratic oath, uh, you know, I mean, do no harm. That is that that is the old uh, uh, adage for doctors and healthcare professionals, and they have forgotten it at this point. You know, there is uh, there there is so much that we have to address, and this is not going to happen overnight. Uh, and that's why, uh, again, I default back to asking every single person listening to get involved on some level in your local area, uh, because we're, we're talking about a multi-generational war. Uh, America fell to its knees over the course of decades, and it didn't suddenly happen when, uh, when Barack Obama was elected. It didn't suddenly happen when we started learning about it after President Trump was elected. You know, this has been ongoing, and it's just gotten more brazen because I think they freaked out recognizing how much we were catching on to what was happening. You know, you have to reach a point of uh, critical mass for the awakening of the populace. And it's still coming, but it's, again, something that we all need to take part in so that we can make sure that it happens as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think that that's uh, I think that's accurate. You know how we got here. I want to just add a couple of things, and I'm going to um, give a closing statement, and then you're going to have the final word, and then Don, I'll have you play the last clip after Zach gives his final word. So the 45 second clip at the end. So um, I'm an anti-vaxer, yeah, mm -hmm. but my why behind it isn't choice. 
because what happens, so you've said people uh, felt like they didn't have a choice. And so if they stand on choice, I mean, what do you do when your job is threatened? What do you do when mm -hmm. they tell you you, um, you can't travel outside of this three block area if you don't get the jab? What are they going to do if you can't get food unless you get the jab? So it has to be deeper than that. It has to be based on uh, roots that you only can get roots by faith. And mm -hmm. that's that's what I think is important to realize. I mean, our bodies were made by God. They weren't made to have vaccines put into them. So that's that's really what I want people to understand relative uh, to this. We got into this dilemma. You, you said it took decades. I agree. I mean, it was longer than decades. It's absolutely systematically <laughs> rejecting God on a slippery slope. And all of a sudden, this is where we're at. So yeah. um, a couple of things in closing. One is first. Uh, a little bird told me that you have some big news to announce later this week. I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, so the <laughs> listeners will have to tune in to your program to find out. So yes. this man has some huge news to, to announce. Um, Friday night. <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> Friday night. Tune in to Zach's program Friday night and uh, you will be amazed. And then uh, last and most important, I want to say that Jesus died he was buried and rose again on the third day so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. When that happens, when you, when you believe in him, it changes you from the inside. Uh, some people change quickly, some slowly. I'm the slow learner type uh, because I'm a <laughs> stubborn man. And uh, thankfully, God has patience with me. Um, and it's slow because I, I refuse to submit to him on, on everything. I still want my own way, but he's patient. And so I'm going to have, have Zach give the final word when he's done, done, then play the clip, the final clip from the interview I had with you, Zach, in June. And, and basically, I'm exposing myself as a slow learner. So realize <laughs> that once you turn your life over to God, he has infinite patience. And, and uh, he certainly has shown that with me. So, Zach, the final word. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think I, I'm on the same page as you. And I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. You know, I, I mean, my life was a uh, a series of stumbles and, uh, you know, choices to get back up and to keep moving. But, you know, all things through him, there would have been no way for me to do that without God and Jesus leading my way. And uh, here I am today. I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm so grateful to have been able to have this conversation with you, uh, to be able to uh, to be here and communicating with my audience and hopefully uh, having some measurable level of effect on the propaganda that we're being fed on a daily basis. You know, Red Pill News is the antidote for the mainstream media and whether that's uh, on Scott's channel or on my channel or on my uh, my co-hosts on Badlands Media uh, I just uh, am so grateful to have been able to make the relationships that I have and to be where I am in my life uh, because I've never been happier and that's despite all of the the horror and the adversity that I see out there in the world you know I'm personally at peace and I think it's possible for every single person to get to that point. Uh, but you have to seek it and you do have to be willing to submit uh, at a certain point. You know, God will always remind you of who you are and where you're from and where you're going. You just have to be willing to hear it. Sometimes you just got to get quiet. So uh, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, make sure you guys are following me. My website is redpill78news.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Getter, Gab and Truth Social at Red Pill 78. You can follow me on Rumble. Just search at Red Pill 78. Same with BitChute. 
pretty much anywhere that you might be able to uh, to find, uh, uh, you know, other uh, truth seeking people. You can find me under Red Pill 78. Uh, and uh, also, I, as, as Scott said, I am a co-host on Badlands Media on uh, on Mondays, uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. I, co- I co-host Baseless Conspiracies, Altered State and Taking It Back uh, with a number of different friends. But check out all that stuff uh, on Rumble and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys in the chat. And thank you again, Scott, for having me. It was a great time. Well, thank you, Zach. You did a fantastic job. Uh, we named her after God's grace. And... Uh... We certainly didn't deserve to have somebody like her in our life. So sorry. I never never missed somebody like this. She was 19 years old when she passed away, is that correct? Yeah, she was. How do you think uh, having grace in your life uh, affected you as a person? How did it change you? Well, it showed me the standard. It didn't, didn't, uh, unfortunately, change me enough yet. I've I've got a lot to work on, but she showed us the standard of love. She loved unconditionally, and uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how God loves us, and Grace did that. She loved me even when I was a jerk, and uh, you know, I, I can't do that. I, I cannot love the unlovable. In fact, I fail at it every single day, and Grace never failed at that. She just uh, she showed the standard, and uh, a lot of people will call the the 21st chromosome, which is the, is the chromosome related to Down syndrome is the love chromosome. And boy, Grace sure demonstrated that. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.